Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Trinity's Podcast. What's the point? My name is Katie O'Connell, and I am joined today by Heather Day. Tom Wesker. And, and Lady Simontoyer. Yay! Yay! Lady Say's back! She is back, and we're yeah. so excited again to have her here. If you didn't hear um, the episode before this, go listen to it, because she talks all about um, what a deacon is, what she does for the Synod, as well as what she does for Trinity, and it's she's very informational, educational. It's wonderful. Wonderful. All the things. Um, But today we are taking a little bit of a different approach and we're going to be talking about or listening to Lita Say's story later on, or at least part of it. But first, I have a question that's going to be a very embarrassing one for me, but it's okay. (laughs) Um, So... As some of you might know, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month is October 8th through November 8th? No. No? All of October? September 15th through October 15th? Oh, that that sounds correct. Which is weird, but there's reasons. Okay. Yeah. Yes. There are reasons. So I'm wrong, but that's, you know, I'm not surprised. Um, Anyway, but with that... uh, Tom and Heather, and and Lita, say for that matter, too... um, how well do you guys speak Spanish? Soy muy bueno hablando español. Okay. I could use Google Translate. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't speak Spanish all that well, but I'm trying to bring it back. I, mm. I worked at a restaurant in high school and college, and so I know a lot of naughty Spanish words. Oh, sure. From your co-workers? Yes, okay. yes. And a lot of commands. So I'm still working on... Siéntate. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cállate. Yeah, huh? Apurete. Muevete. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to relearn, and um, Deacon Lita say challenges me by speaking to me in Spanish, and uh, I am relearning. So he, he is good. Let me tell you. He's good. Good job. Good job. <laughs> awesome. Um, I, so Lita say tells me that I'm good too, and I uh, disagree. So I was a Spanish major in college, mostly oh, because sure. I wanted the scholarships that came with being a Spanish major in order to study abroad. So Makes sense. I, so yeah. I lived in Chile for five months, Fun. Um, which they say they speak Spanish, but really they speak Chilean. So it's barely Spanish. Um, but so uh, theoretically, I spoke pretty good Spanish mm-hmm. at one point in my life. That was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of it is gone. But yes, Lita Say challenges me to speak Spanish. And I have like basic capabilities. Yeah, yeah, Um, Recently there, I won't get into it, but there was a whole thing on the that I was watching on the internet about nope, the Spanish don't go there. Don't soccer, go there. women's soccer team, and I was following it, and there were I was trying to read these articles written in mm. Spanish coming out of Spain, and I was just like, oh, no, I can't. <laughs> Not all. I can't do this. This is really hard. So I'd have to click, like, see translation sure. on Facebook, and I would feel sad every time. I'm like, Darn it. I should be able to do this better, but uh, it's a work in progress. Um, Lita say. Yo sí hablo español. Gracias. <laughs> All right, there we have it. Mm-hmm. So, Katie, how about you? Listen, I I took a Spanish class once in eighth grade. <laughs> oh my oh man. That was 15 years ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then in uh, high school and college, because I, I'm, I moved from Boyceville to River Falls, and in River Falls they offered 
Spanish, French, and Japanese, I wow. think. Oh. And so I decided, oh, French, count me in. Oh. Um, oui, oui. Yeah, right? And then uh-huh. I, I took French in college a little bit, just just basically, bit. yeah, basically fulfilling some credits. And wow. um, and uh, yeah, okay. so that's So you're learning. Well, I try. I can, you know, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. Muy bien. Muy bien. Okay. That's so, a, that's about all I got. Okay. I try. Okay. Adios. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so bad, you guys. I should I should really start doing like Duolingo or something yeah. like that mm. so I can Some pastors are doing that. Are they? Do they like it? They say so. Is it Okay, but is it helpful? Tom, what have you you've used I don't something know. Yeah. <laughs> So I I've been using Duolingo, okay. but very casually, not, okay. not very <laughs> sure. diligent at it. They Duolingo treats it more like a game. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's very interactive and yeah. uh, you definitely need a speaker so you can hear yeah. uh, a, a native language mm-hmm. speaker uh, say it for the correct pronunciation. Yeah. Um, so you can do that self-guided practice. But it's drag and drop, it's complete the sentence. Wait, wait a second. I'm sorry to interrupt. Are you saying it's helpful to hear someone who is a native Spanish speaker? <laughs> That this is yes. something that is helpful in your life. Yes. <coughs> Interesting. Funny. Okay. Funny Interesting. how that works. Things we learn. That's yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll give Duolingo a go. But um, and it's we're free. Not, it's yeah, free. It is free. Oh yeah. But you um, know what I really want to learn about? What? Deacon Lita say? I want to learn more about Lita say. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't You're we going all? to get bored. No. no. I guarantee we won't. Nope. Guarantee. Okay. So ask me questions. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> I want to know mm-hmm. your story. Mm-hmm. I all, wanna, of all of it. Oh, all my of goodness. It. Yeah. Guys, Start I'm old. Birthday <laughs> <today>. <laughs> Forever. Uh-huh. No, ask me questions. That would be better. So, Otherwise, I will tell you the whole okay. ancestor. So, thing. okay, my first, my first, sorry, I'm just jumping in, Tom. Do it. So, my first question is, I want to know a little bit, knowing that we're, you know, not, we can't be here for like an hour, but mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about growing up in El Salvador. I know mm-hmm. you were involved in a church there, yes. and you hung out with your mom and got dragged places. So, tell me a little <laughs> bit, tell us. A little bit about growing up in El Salvador and all of that. Okay. Um, I was born in El Salvador, which is in Central America, for those of you who do not know, which is most of the people. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell you stories about that. But no, so we are, El Salvador is the smallest country in America. We are south of Mexico. So south of the United States, there is not only Mexico. I know this is shocking for you, <laughs> but yes, we are like 20 countries in Latin America. We are very diverse, and that's another story. I was born there. I was born right before the Civil War, and um, what? Um, my mother was a single mother. I had a, an older sister, but she was killed when I was four, she was, disapp- I don't know if you are familiar with this, the disappearances, yeah. the forced, forced disappearance. So this this was a common, uh, a common thing happening during the Civil War, and even before the Civil War. And um, so one night they came, to, she was already married and had a baby, and they came 
is a paramilitar group and they came to their house, they took them and we never see them dead or alive. Obviously after 30, after 40 years, we know that she's dead. They, she and her, Eli, that was her name and Jorgito, her husband, both of them are dead now. And yeah. Um, and the baby too. No, the baby, they, I don't know, they were in a good mood. The baby is now 40, 42, oh, okay. because. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm four years, I'm four years older than her. And, uh, well, my mother was um, union workers, mm-hmm. workers union leader, which back in the time was really not a safe thing to do. Uh, you could many a lot of people who were like the same the same they were killed or disappeared or in prison actually my mother was a political prisoner in uh, when I was six years old um, I still remember the day police came to our house but I'm not going to go into that because we are going to take too much time but yeah I have that trauma I was separated from my mom for, um, when the police came, they were kind of nice. They were not so mean, at least not with me. So the next day, they se- they separated me, all the kids. So maybe I should go into the story a little bit. Um, that night was the biggest raid in during those years, this was in 1983. Yeah, 83. And uh, it was about 300 people in a in a yard, mm-hmm. in a small yard in the police headquarters. And five of us were kids. I was the oldest. I was six years old. There were three girls who were three, and a boy who was five. I was the only one who was able to read because. I was finishing second grade, so uh, everybody was blindfolded except me. So my mom told me, like, asked me, okay, quietly, like, tell me wh- where we are. Find mm-hmm. a sign that says where we are. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's this. Okay, it's this place. So um, that was during the night. Um, when they came, it was... That day, in early in the afternoon, we, we, I'm sorry, I'm very messy with stories, so please <laughs> pay extra attention. So I'm going back to what, when they came to my house. We are sleeping after a beautiful day in a lake in San Salvador. Mm-hmm. I still remember the water was so warm. And for the first time ever, my mother let me be in the water by myself. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you know, and... You know, I was sleeping and everything, and then I hear this noise. And my mom is, my mom is like, go to bed, go back to sleep, and everything is okay. And okay. And then again, this noise. And the noise was they banging on the doors. Mm-hmm. And then I just saw my mom worried, and she was trying to hide some papers that were dangerous to have. And the next time I remember, they were the police was already inside, mm-hmm. and they have soldiers and everything. My mom was laying in the floor with her um, hands in the back, tied in the back, and she was blindfolded. And I was sitting in the bed and just looking at her. And they, well, you know, they came in all the house. They were trying to find 
weapons or I don't know what. And and I was, I remember another scene where I'm sitting in a chair next to my box of toys. And I knew by that time that we were going to be taken somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there was a cop standing, taking care of me because I was dangerous. I was six years old. And I asked him if it was okay to take one toy. And he said, no. And I'm like, oh. Uh, then they took us to a huge uh, truck. And I, there were already people there. Some of them, I knew them. Uh, they were the same, blindfolded and with the hands in the back. Um, we went to the police. And it's when we are sitting in this yard or something. And it was okay, so far it's bad, right? Yes, because even... And that's the thing, we tend to think that children do not understand what is, what is going on, but I was six years old and I knew that something was bad, that there was a possibility that we were going to be killed or disappear like my sister or torture. I knew about tortures back in that time. And, but uh, my mother, I remember my mother was in interrogations. I remember falling asleep in a, in a desk and I woke up and they were still asking things. And then they sent us to a small room. It was like in the second floor of, of the, this building. And, but the room was like, like this, like, I don't know, four by four. It was something really small without chairs, without tables, without bed. So my mom was all the time uh, holding me. Yeah. And, she, and, and there was a, a light. The light was all, this was in the, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., something like that. Wow. Uh, my mother was 40-something, and she was holding this six-year-old six oh, six girl on her arm, so I'm sure she was really tired. The next day, and this is... <sighs> okay. Take the next job. day, mm-hmm. they gave us food to the kids, to the kids only. It was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was fried beans with onion. Ooh, who oh, who eats that? Oh. And it was um, milk, but the milk was warm, so it has this oh. thing on top. And it's like, oh, I didn't want to eat anything. I'm besides being picky, I was very like stressed. Mm-hmm. So and they they say, okay, the kids are going, the kids are leaving. I'm like, oh, I was being separated from my mother. I knew stories about that. Uh, I, I, you know, it was my six-year-old me was facing the possibility that I was going to ever, ever see my mother again. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. by myself, I didn't know where I was. We were taken in a, in like in a van to this place, which it was like a shelter for kids who were in danger because their parents are criminals or something like that. Mm-hmm. I ha- So far, I haven't cried. But as soon as I get there, I start crying, crying. And I think I'm still, I'm still crying, you know, after mm-hmm. four years. Mm-hmm. And it was a place, it was just awful. It was, well, because these other kids, they were kids, but they were, they were exposed to actual crimes. And so they were not like nice kids, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never, I didn't see my mother until like a couple weeks later when she was, uh, she was in prison. The prison was next door to this place. 
So uh, that's another traumatizing story and we don't have time. But that is what happened when my mom was in prison and when I was taken to this shelter. And uh, yeah, so I think that's one of my biggest traumas in life. And after that, a couple of years later, my mom was my mom was there for 15 months, and I had to go to other like other homes where, yes, I was abused in many ways. And um, later, you know, she started working with the Lutheran Church there. And the, her first job was with the Lutheran World Federation. It was a project to give um, houses to people who lost the houses in an earthquake in 1986. And then my mother became Lutheran, and, and she was very involved into the um, into the pastor thing. She was never a pastor, but she, for example, she was the one who started a change for women inside church, that women were not anymore only the pastor's wives, mm-hmm. but also have a leader, leading role by themselves and, mm-hmm. and to be more inclusive and blah, blah, blah. And Lutheran Church in El Salvador is extremely involved in social justice. Mm-hmm. And that social justice that we don't like to talk about, that's the social justice that they do. So for me, being Lutheran is all about social justice. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, I was welcome at Hope Lutheran Church. I'm a member there. And they are amazing. They are lovely. They are welcoming. But there was still something that mm, there's something missing here. I didn't know, but it was oh yeah, it's that part. So um, so that's why when I came, I was already Lutheran. It's not that I became Lutheran when I was here. And just for you uh, people listening to this podcast in Latin America, Lutheranism is the minority. So we as church were the minority. And every time I tried to explain my friends or my classmates what we in Lutheran was, it was like, what is this lady talking about? What is this girl talking yeah. about? Because everybody is either Catholic mm-hmm. or evangelical or mm-hmm. everything except Lutheran. Mm-hmm. So not like here, but we are the majority. Mm-hmm. Over there is, is not the case. Mm-hmm. So, um, so how did you get connected with Hope? Lutheran Church here. Oh, in that's, a, that's yeah. another story. I don't know. <laughs> it's very funny for me because every time someone asks me something, a question that should be yes, no, <laughs> like this, I had to have to explain a whole story back. <laughs> so, I, uh, I'm asking for your patience, and, and yeah, here I go. So we were members of the Lutheran Church. I went to medical school, and I, I, I'm a medical doctor over there. And uh, no, we are not wealthy. And uh, soon, like here, because if you're a medical doctor here, you are kind of, you know. Pretty well off. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. But that's not the case in El Salvador. And I was without, I was was unemployed when I graduated from, from medical school. So I was doing some volunteering with the church. And they have some uh, health um, ministries there. Mm-hmm. And one day Bishop, Bishop Gomez, Bishop uh, Obispo Medardo Gomez, told me that there was, there were a, there was a mission of healing coming. 
And he considered it was good for me because I'm, I was a medical doctor mm-hmm. to join them, to support them. And, and because I had the, we had that, we use as like a stamp thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that will give them, in case someone was, you know, why these, these foreigners are coming and they are not allowed to. So I was like the backup. Mm-hmm. And I joined this, this group. This group was coming from Milwaukee. And uh, yeah, Milwaukee area basically. So I went, I joined this group, and, I, and then I became friends with most of them. And it was especially with uh, Dev Adams and Bob Adams. And uh, you know, after the years, I had my first baby who is now 13 years old. <laughs> and his name is Pavel, and yes, he's a teenager in all <laughs> the way <laughs> he's going to be a teenager. And um, uh, we were blessed by these guys, this this couple are Pavel's godparents. And so, you know, the situation in El Salvador by this time was getting worse, not only in the econo- economical, because we are always in the economical crisis there. And it was, there was a lot of gangs violence. Oh, sure. And they, uh, even though I didn't, we didn't have any direct threat, it was a matter of time, especially mm-hmm. for Pavel. So I asked his godparents for help to, in a way, to, to keep him safe. I never, I never. Okay, so when I, I contacted him and I said, okay, I need to have Pavel in a better school that can be safe for him. Mm-hmm. And I was asking for that, okay, help me with this. And then he came, oh, you know what? Could be thinking, why don't you come to study here in the United States so you can have another degree that will give you the possibility of a better job and then you can move out of the community where you live and Pavel will be safe at safe at least the years you are here studying and then when you come back. So that's how we ended here. And they lived in Chippewa. Mm-hmm. So oh, I cool. came to study to the UW Clark. Yeah. And I started with healthcare administration, and then I changed to, uh, and I got a degree on HR management with emphasis in public health. So that's how I came to the United States. Interesting. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. Yes. I could listen to your stories all day long. And I feel like my jaw is just on the floor listening to some of them. Um, and I want to hear more of them, but I feel like we need to make like a part two of this podcast so that we can hear more about your experience since you've been here Mm -hmm. and maybe your Mm -hmm. immigration story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know what to ask right now because I feel like I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. That's why I it's told you. Even if you ask me something so so easy to answer, I will always tell you the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, right. yeah. just a thing I need to ask Al because it's something kind of funny. I told you that my mother was, a, you know, first a union leader. Then she was also part of the some committees who were supporting the families who lost their relatives during the war. And then she worked at a church. And when she was working at church, I was like a teenager, you know, those mm-hmm. teenagers, like, hi, mom, what are you doing in this? No, I don't want to come. 
And she was, come to me with this, to this meeting. Come to me to this, come with me to this training. And I'm like, oh. She just dragged you all over. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, you know, I was really young, but I, I promised myself, if I ever have kids, I will never, ever do this to them. <laughs> Guess, what? <laughs> Guess what? Pavel, who's 13, and Andre, who's four, are coming with me everywhere. everywhere. And I, okay. I can feel how they feel because I was there <laughs> 40 years ago. And I'm like, oh, my God. Life. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It's okay. We like yeah. having them around. I we know. do. I know. That's fine. Now they're welcome. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I I think we need to do a part two as well. I think that's mm-hmm. a great idea. So, uh, Lita, say we're going to pause you where you are. And okay. in part two, part two, we'll come back. We'll ask you all about your experience here in the States so oh, yeah. far. And, um, yeah, we'll learn even more about you. So, um, but first, yeah. I just want to say yeah. thank you yes. Yes. for sharing like obviously hard stories. Yes. No, thank you for for your patience um, again with my accent, with my never-ending stories, and thank you for letting me be as weird as I am. <laughs> we, we are also weird. Love your weirdness. We do. But thank you for sharing. Yes. Yep. So, all right, we're gonna come back. We're gonna hear more from Lita say another time. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All okay. right. Bye, Bye everyone. For now. Adios. <laughs>